0: Can these bones live? That's the question the Lord asked the prophet Ezekiel. Can these bones live? I wonder if you find yourself in a valley of dry bones this morning. We're going to talk today about what it means to believe in the Holy Spirit. In fact, this is the continuation of a sermon series we've been doing for several months now called Echo, in which we're looking at some of the basic beliefs of the faith using something called the Apostles' Creed. Which is just a summary or a syllabus of the faith that goes way back to almost the second century in Rome And today the phrase we're looking at is, I believe in the Holy Spirit But before we can get to belief in the Holy Spirit, I think we're going to have to go through a valley of dry bones Now sometimes when we read the scriptures We miss the whole context, and so we take a story here or a story there And we miss some of the emotional intensity behind the story For you to understand what it means for the prophet Ezekiel to be given a vision of a valley full of dry bones, you have to understand where he came from. In 586 B.C., King Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians came and ransacked and overtook Jerusalem, ended the kingdom of Judah, and carried off the Israelites into exile in Babylon. So then they found themselves as strangers in a strange land. Their children were learning a different language, learning to worship other gods. It seemed as if the God who had made a promise to them through Abraham, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, it seemed as if it was obvious that that God had abandoned them. And so Ezekiel finds himself trying to be the Lord's prophet, the shepherd of God's people in a place where God isn't worshipped and when the people are forgetting who they were. So he has this vision of a valley full of bones, dry bones, dry bones. The Valley of Dry Bones is a place of no hope. Have you ever been hopeless? I remember once when I was hopeless. I am the elder, the eldest of three brothers, and I remember once going with my brothers on a church trip to King's Dominion, which is an amusement park in Virginia where we're from. And my youngest brother was about 10 at the time, and he got it into his head that he wanted to win one of those ridiculous, gigantic, stuffed animals that you win if you sink the right number of baskets at the carnival game. And being an older brother, and therefore it being my responsibility to tell him when he's being an idiot, <laughs> I told him that there was no hope he'd ever sink any of those baskets. After all, I have the same basketball genes or lack of them that my brother does, and it was impossible, it's never going to happen. You can have no hope like that, but, but you can also have no hope in a valley of dry bones when it really matters I read the story this week in the newspaper of this young guy who's 19 years old last Wednesday a week ago he went on a crime spree, stole a car, had a handgun had a getaway driver who was herself 17 and the culmination of his spree was just after midnight at Sherlock's Bar and Grill up here in North Dallas off of Park Lane when there was a man coming out a little bit after midnight and this young guy 19 years old pulled out a A gun and shot him, and he died. And the police quickly apprehended the 19 year old who confessed, and he said he didn't deserve to live and he might as well be put to death. And I think of the mother of the 36 year old man who was murdered, and I think of the mother, wherever she is, of the 19 year old boy, really, who was the murderer. And I think that's a place of dry bones. And I think what does it mean that we live in a culture that raises up young men that think that the only thing that matters is some sort of street respect and that it's only through the power of a handgun that they have any sort of power in their lives after all. And the human life is so meaningless that they'd be willing to end it just for a few bucks. See, there's neighborhoods in Dallas that are like that, that are like valleys of dry bones. Have you ever been in a valley of dry bones? Maybe you're there today. This church in America seems like it finds itself full of dry bones. Recently, there was a survey by the Pew Foundation, and they found that now one in five Americans considers himself or herself to have no religion at all, the so-called nuns. The nuns are growing in our society. They reject the church. They reject the church's teaching. It seems like in a lot of America, the church is full of dry bones. Most churches, this is certainly true of the Methodist church, are graying and older and running out of time and running out of money. Look around at the world, read the headlines. Doesn't it seem sometimes that we find ourselves in places of dry bones? There's been a lot of surveys recently that show that our culture is as racially polarized as it's been in some time. And we think about the tremendous evil legacy of racism and institutional racism in this country. We think How can we ever overcome that? Because wrong produces wrong and resentment produces resentment. It's a valley of dry bones. What is your dry bones today? Where are the places, if not in your own life, and the lives of some friends you have, in a work environment? What are some places in which you see no hope of redemption? No green shoots springing forth. It's all a bunch of dry old bones. This is what Ezekiel saw when the Lord, by the Spirit, brought him into this broad, wide valley. And God asks this great, great question. He says, Ezekiel, can these bones live? And I love Ezekiel's response. He says, oh Lord, you know. In other words, God no. The answer is they cannot live. They're not just bones. They're dry, brittle, desiccated bones. There is no hope there. If anything is going to happen, Lord, it's going to be because you did it. I'd say that the first thing it means to believe in the Holy Spirit is to believe that on your own power, you can't do it. It's just a bunch of dry, old bones. In fact, one of the things that I've been so astounded by by my life is that the people that I know who are often in the worst circumstances, who find themselves in the most desperate poverty, who have undergone the most serious wrongs and oppression, it is often those people who have the strongest faith in God. Have you ever noticed that? Why is that? It might be because those are the people who realize they have nothing. They're desperate. Often we've got this strange idea in our culture that it's to the deserving that the Holy Spirit comes. In fact, I think it's the opposite. It is to the desperate that the Holy Spirit comes. In fact, if we're going to be a church that believes in the Holy Spirit and be people who are led and empowered by the Spirit, it might be the case that we need to go exactly where the dry bones are. It's not until Ezekiel is given the vision of desperation and desiccation and despair... That God gives him the rest of the vision. I wonder sometimes if one of the problems with my life is that I'm so safe. Recently, there's been a few circumstances in the church that have happened that I had half heartedly been praying for for a long time, and they actually happened. And I wonder if that's God's rebuke to me saying, You believe me for so little. So Ezekiel finds himself in the valley of the dry bones and God says to him, O son of man, can these bones live? And Ezekiel replies, O Lord, you know. See, the great thing about the story of the dry bones, in fact, it's the story of the scriptures and it's the story of this church, is that the dry bones, the death, the despair, the destruction never have the final word. The final word is always God's. The first word was, let light be, and the last word will be as well. What's your valley this morning? Maybe you need to hear the rest of the story that Ezekiel was given from God. Can these dry bones live, God says? Ezekiel says, Lord, I don't know. And hear what God says. Prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life and then you will know that I am the Lord. What if one of the things it means to believe in the Holy Spirit is to go to the places of death and despair and destruction, whether those are in our own marriages, and our own families, in our failing schools, and the parts of our city that are most riven apart by gang violence, What if one of the things it means to believe in the Holy Spirit is to go directly through those valleys of dry bones and prophesy in the same way that Ezekiel did? Because Ezekiel takes God's word seriously, and he says, verse 7, I prophesied as I was commanded. What would it look like for you and for me and for the congregation that meets in this place to be people who go through the valleys of dry bones and preach the good news of God's salvation? What would it look like if we never saw a circumstance that we didn't believe God could redeem? Now, now hear me. You're already doing that. As I'm speaking, you're already doing what I would be doing too. Well, I guess if we tried hard enough, we could make a difference in this situation, but no matter what we do, this situation can't be redeemed. I mean, there's centuries of poverty entrenched there. There's decades of betrayals and Ugly words there. There's too much violence there. Maybe we need to take Ezekiel's vision seriously and go directly to the places in which we believe it's impossible. (laughs) If there is any message of the scriptures, it's got to be this with people, things are impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Do you really believe that one situation that's on your mind today is possible to be redeemed by God? The Holy Spirit says it is. And Ezekiel prophesies as he's been told. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. See, the Spirit of God is, is not just something that puts things together it is the power that brings life this is why it's so important for us to believe in the Holy Spirit see if it weren't for the Holy Spirit we would just be a bunch of people who come to a nice building on Sunday mornings with nice words comfortable temperature and decent coffee but that's not who we're about to be that's not who we're called to be we're called to be people who profess belief in the Holy Spirit that believes it's not just the structures of things that matters, it's the life that God breathes into it. See, maybe you walked away from the church because the church you walked away from was a church in which it was just the structure. It was just the bones, but there was no spirit there. I think the saddest thing that could happen to to this church would not be if we stop being able to pay our bills and if people stop coming. The saddest thing would be if the Holy Spirit stops blowing through this place and we became just a bunch of people. See, this is what separates the church from all other institutions. Obviously, the church is a human institution, and we have light bills and boards of trustees, and we start at a certain time and end at a certain time, and we change with the seasons. But the church is not just an institution like the Rotary Club or some hospital or some university. The church is the body of Christ into which the Spirit of God is blowing. And let me tell you something. If the Spirit of God is blowing in this church, that means there is no part of this church that God can't use. You may be some discarded femur bone, so to speak, in the body of Christ, but I believe God can use you. In fact, this is what I believe. If we're going to be the church that God has called us to be in this place, we're going to be a church that increasingly is representative of its neighborhood. Not just for some kind of PC photo op, but because we believe that God's calling all people to participate in his redemptive work. See, it seems impossible that in our culture, people who are different from each other could have a strong degree of fellowship. I've gone to some different parts of the city, both the poor parts and the particularly rich parts, and I feel, I don't know if I belong here. And I've been in certain shopping centers and grocery stores in both the fancy parts and the poor parts, and I think, I don't know if that's where I, uh, I'm supposed to be. See, I'm a Christian, and I professed faith in Christ my whole life, and yet for me, I still often default to the idea that the only people with whom I can have any degree of fellowship are the people who look like me and talk like me and have a similar background and make about the same kind of money that I make. And friends, we have a long way to go. But I'd say that one of the glories of this congregation is the fact that we're already beginning to unlearn that lie, and believe that when the Spirit of God blows in a place, people who have nothing in common apart from Christ are part of a new community, or even, to use words in the New Testament, like brothers and sisters with each other. One of the symbols, it'll be that the Holy Spirit is active in this place, is when the people at Munger are the first to reach their hands across whatever social divide it is. When you find yourself with people whose skin color is different from you, whose bank accounts are different zeros in them than yours do, who talk different than you, who look different than you. One of the ways you'll know that you're walking in the power of the Spirit is when you walk up and reach the hand right across that divide. See, on our own, despite what the Disneyland songs say, we can't just be a small world and just get along. But through the power of the Spirit, even people who once were enemies can be reconciled in Christ. This is why the church matters, because what happens here on a Sunday is a symbol to the world of what the Holy Spirit is going to do in all places. I wonder if if we're hearing Ezekiel's vision and are willing to walk right into that valley of dry bones, of long-standing suspicions, even in this city, and are all for the peace of Christ. One of the things... (coughs) One of the things I love about this vision is the bones coming together. This is verse 7. I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. What I love about this vision that Ezekiel has is that it, it's a process. However the Holy Spirit works, the Holy Spirit seems to work in small, slow, often clumsy and insignificant steps. But the conclusion is thrilling. You know what we've been doing here for the last two years? We've been just allowing bone to be placed on bone with a little bit of tendons and flesh covering it. Maybe you're here today and and you haven't been to this church for a while because you thought, you know, I thought that church was going to be different. And they were just, just like all the other churches I was a part of. In some sense, that is inevitably true, isn't it? But the Spirit is at work. And each week and each hymn that's sung and each prayer that's prayed and each sick person who's visited and each fellowship group that meets and each coffee cup that's drunk I think that's just God putting bone to bone and covering us with flesh, bringing us to life. Rather than being <laughs> despairing at the pace of God's change, I think we need to have new eyes to see what God is already doing. Now I mentioned before, as if you, at the very beginning of the service, that I wanted to kind of dress up today to see that, pretend that I might know what I'm doing. If you only knew how little I know, you would stop coming. Let me just give you one example. <laughs> right here, in this place, about a year ago, on a Thursday evening, a couple from this church had me do a vow renewal. They'd been married for 10 years, and they had three little kids. And their in-laws were with them and a few siblings, and that was it. It was about 10 of us. And I lit the candles on a Thursday evening. And I came back in on Saturday evening to get something from my office. And I happened to walk into here. And the candles had been burning for 48 hours. And this church was built in 1925, and this place is like a bunch of matchsticks. It's a miracle the church exists at all, let me tell you. (laughs) But you know what was incredible was that I may not know how to blow out a bunch of candles... But the Spirit of God knows how to fan the dying embers of a marriage. And this couple, if they could stand up here and tell you, would tell you they were as low as one can possibly be in a marriage. And through a series of miraculous and, frankly, painful circumstances, God has brought them to a new place, right through the valley of dry bones to a place of life. See, you and I, we're going to mess it up. Ezekiel doesn't even have the faith in God to believe that God can bring life out of dry bones. And yet the Spirit uses him anyway. How can the Holy Spirit use you? One of the things it means to believe in the Holy Spirit is to say, God, okay, I'm going to try to trust you. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to speak your word into that situation. I'm going to believe you for that redemptive miracle, even though I have to confess, to me it seems impossible. Where are the dry bones in your life? Sometimes I feel like I'm a Christian who's afraid of being proven wrong by asking God for too much. I'd so much rather be that kind of person, though. I find myself often as a pastor sizing up a situation of family, a relationship, and quickly knowing how it's going to end. I pray that God shows me how wrong I am, because I'd like to be the kind of person that sees you wherever you are and believe that God can do something great through you. See, I'd like to be the kind of person that can see old buildings the way this building was two years ago and believe God can reclaim it and redeem that place. What about you? Are you hearing Ezekiel's message? Are you hearing the spirit blow? After all, the same word for spirit is the same word for wind and breath. And we might not know where the wind is coming from or where it's going, but we can tell when it's active. So, as an older brother, I consider it my duty to put my younger brothers in their place. That's why God put me on this earth, I think. And we had told my youngest brother, that he was an idiot, and there's no way he was going to win that stuffed animal. And I will never forget, as long as I lived, lived, the sight of that 10-year-old little kid running up and lumbering up to us with a huge gray and white stuffed wolf under his arm. I don't know how much money he had in his little Velcro wallet and how much he went through that day. It was a lot. But I'm telling you, that was probably the proudest moment of that boy's life. See, often we see the valley of dry bones. We size up situations small, like my brother's basketball seals or large, like that marriage, like that war, like that political impasse. We size it up, and we say, that can't happen. And God says, listen, the Spirit's blowing. I'm putting bone to bone and covering them with flesh, and I'm going to bring new life. I'm going to bring you up out of your graves. I heard a story this May that just crystallized that idea for me. It was told by a guy named Bob Goff. I heard him uh, at an event in Dallas in May. He's a high-powered, high-flying attorney who has really given up a lot of his uh, legal practice. He's now, uh, you know, about retirement age, and he does a lot of work in Uganda. And he told this gut-wrenching story about these witch doctors in Uganda who used little orphan boys and girls, and mutilate them and use them in their witches' potions? It sounds like something out of a movie. Unfortunately, it's real. And there's one particular boy who had been injured in a particular way. And Bob Goff met this boy and he brought him back to America through some miraculous circumstances and got him into a, a hotshot pediatric surgeon of the nature that was required, and he was able to fix the boy. But then Bob started talking about the witch doctor and this man was just like evil personified. But fortunately through the work of good people who are working and using even the justice system of Uganda, they brought him to justice and he was convicted and he was thrown into prison. But Bob went and visited him in prison and he shared the gospel with him And in that prison cell, that man who was a witch doctor fell to his knees and professed faith in Christ and repented of his numerous sins. And I remember just thinking, my problem is I don't believe that that's what God does. I tend to see the white, bleached, dried bones in the valley and believe God's not going to work there. But I'll tell you one thing I've learned in the last two years of this church is that our God is in the resurrection business and the same power that spoke light out of darkness the same power in whom all God's yeses are forever the same power that raised Jesus from the dead can take you and me and through the power of baptism cleanse us from the power of sin pull us together into a church, and use us to proclaim the good news of God's salvation to the dry bones of this world. And I'm just wondering today if we're willing again to hear those outrageous words of the Lord through the prophet Ezekiel and say, God, we believe. Help our unbelief. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, may God make it so. Amen.